0: Today, as I'm sure everybody knows, is obviously the last Lord's Day of this year. And as we begin to near year's end, I'd like to start by taking us back to the beginning. Please open up your Bibles to Genesis 3. Genesis chapter 3. Beginning at verse one. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you'll surely not die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 6. So, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Now, if you have been in the church any amount of time, you have probably heard multiple multiple sermons on that text. Probably most of you, when I said Genesis 3, and we'll start with verse 1, said, oh yeah, I know what that's about. And obviously so. This morning, I want for you to consider a question, though. Don't answer me out loud, just think about it. I would like for you to answer the question, what is the first word or topic they usually pops into your head whenever you hear that particular text mentioned. What is that text primarily in reference to? You know, when you hear certain texts, you think, well, if you hear Acts 2.38, you think, well, that's got to do, baptism. I know what that is, right? Well, when you hear Genesis 3, 1 through 6, what, what is the first word or two or idea that pops into your mind? Some would probably say, well, the temptation or the devil the deceiver, or maybe even the fall of man, and all of those are true. But this morning, I want for you to consider a little different word, a little different theme, a little different idea, based on a drastically overlooked aspect of that text. This morning, I want for you to consider a truth in that text which permeates the rest of scripture from, from there, right up on through into today, to this morning. And in fact, beyond. And that is this. While Genesis 3, one through six is indeed about the great deceiver, initiating the great temptation that led to the fall of man and his separation from his creator, The first and greatest factor, which we must never forget when it comes to this text, is this. That the first great temptation would have not been possible without first the great distraction. that Satan, the great deceiver of mankind, is every inch and iota as much the great distractor of men as he is the great deceiver of them. Which leads us to the title of this morning's lesson, and that is Fatal Distraction. Fatal Distraction. The main point of this sermon by that title of which is to understand that Satan is not just the great deceiver, but is also the great and fatal distractor. That's not usually a word that comes to mind in this text, but it is indeed such an incredible element of it. I want you to stop and think about this for a minute. If we look again at at Genesis three, one through five, we know that God has given them every tree, right? All this other stuff, he's given them everything the fruit of those trees had to have been flawless. You know when you see these, these fairy tale apples or pears and you, you see them painted in there, like in children's storybooks, and they're just perfect and flawless? You know, Those of you who garden know that probably not every piece of fruit you grow looks exactly like that, right? But I gotta got tell you, I believe in my heart of hearts that every piece of fruit was flawless. God created it, right? He saw that it was good. Can you imagine every fruit being flawless? Wow. Every plant was perfect. Perfect. Wasn't stained by sin. It was perfect. It's like those kids' Christmas trees that you see, right? And they're all perfectly shaped and cut out. I mean, every tree was perfect. No diseases. It it was awesome. But, But what Satan did, this fatal distraction, what he did was he got her to take her eyes off of all of that other good stuff. That God had created, and he says he said what he said in verses one through five. And notice verse six. And when she saw, when she took her eye. If I were to this morning look at all of you and say these are real people, but I had a like a, a mannequin over here, right? And I say you're all real people with real personalities, and you know you're created in the image of God. But if I could get distracted to look over to this, this mannequin, it would be it would be like that. In order to look at this mannequin, I got to take my eyes off of all of you. Verse six says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, desirable to make one eyes, she took her eyes off of all, she got distracted from all the good stuff. That's how it works. That's how the great distractor works. We know the rest of the story as to Adam and Eve's relationship with God as well as the rest of their earthly lives. There could not have been no destruction without first the great deception, and there could have been no deception without first this great distraction. If she'd kept her eyes on all that other stuff that God had created and not even looked over here, that never would have happened, but he distracted her away from that. Hence, their destruction began with his distraction. My brethren, hear me really, really loud and clear on this point, point. one of the most underrated understated, underestimated, and therefore overpowering weapons of mass destruction in Satan's entire evil arsenal is the utilization of distraction in order to accomplish our mass Destruction. Have you ever stopped to think about, have you ever stopped to consider just how often and with what devastating results Satan has unleashed this, this weapon of mass destruction noticed, known as distraction to seek to first divide and then destroy people's relationship with God and then ultimately them themselves Although we can't even begin to scratch the surface of of how many times he has used distraction. We can't even begin to scratch the surface when it comes to covering the full range of this weapon's devastating effects. I want us to take just a few moments to consider some well-known biblical situations where he has brought it to bear and that death and destruction hung in the balance as a result not going to turn to these texts. We know them well. If you're taking notes, certainly just write them down. In Numbers chapter 13, we have the account of the 12 spies sent into the promised land. We know that they went over, they saw the land, they saw the fruit, they brought back some of it, and we know that 10 of those spies, however, said, we can't take this land. What was their problem? Here's their problem right here. They were so distracted by the size and the stature and the nature of the problems before them that they forgot the power, the providence, and the promises of the God behind them. Distraction. What did they say? Oh, oh, they're so big. They got so distracted by the size of, of the problem and the obstacle that they were going to have to overcome, and these, these giants said, oh, we can't do this. They got distracted. Look, at they just come through the Red Sea. Well, it'd been a while, granted. But think what happened to Pharaoh. They knew. But what were they focused on? They weren't focused on the promises of God. In Numbers 13, God had said, send them over and see this land. I mean, God was just letting them know, hey, go see this. It's it's good. And and, and God had told them he was going to give it to them. But, But all of those promises of God, they took their eyes off of them, and they got distracted by the size of the problem in front of them to the point they forgot the power of the God behind them. That fatal distraction was the first step down their road to destruction, chapter 14. Another instance of this is seen in the following. We must make no mistake about it, doesn't matter how devoted a servant of God that you are, or that I am, or that anybody else is. Even the one whom God would call a man after his own heart, even him, King David, even he, would not be immune from the far-reaching firepower, the fatal fallout of Satan's weapon of mass destruction known as distraction. In 2 Samuel 11, one and two, we learned that at the time that he should have been totally consumed with the affairs of state and national conquest, At the time when kings go to war, when he should have been totally, totally concerned and consumed with affairs of state, he is instead totally distracted and consumed and taken and overcome with the beauty of another man's wife. Distraction. And we know the rest of that story as well And the only thing, the only thing that stopped David's slide into all out and eternal destruction was his all out and all encompassing brokenness as he poured his heart out before God for forgiveness for that terrible distraction that he had allowed to come into his life and that terrible mistake that he had committed as a result. And he was only saved by the grace of God himself as he poured himself out before God. As we move into the New Testament though, we see some really awesome great news on, to how, on how to best, how to best avoid and neutralize this weapon of mass destruction known as fatal distraction. First off, we see it in the Lord Jesus Christ. We see how to beat this weapon It is in Matthew chapter four, verses one through 11, another very familiar text, that we see right after his baptism, Satan unleashes upon Jesus, this weapon of mass destruction known as distraction. He seeks to distract Jesus from doing the will of God. By number one, trying to get Jesus to focus on fulfilling his own needs instead of fully relying on God, Matthew 4, 1 through 3. He seeks to distract Jesus secondly by trying to get him to take the word of God out of context and use it differently than God intended, Matthew 4, verses 5 and 6. And he unleashes this weapon of distraction on Jesus, trying to distract Jesus, trying to get Jesus off from The mission that his father gave him, trying to distract him from carrying out that God-given mission that he had by seeking to get him to take the easy way out, verses 8 and 9. If when Satan offered Jesus, said, you know, all the kingdoms of the world I'll give you, bow down and worship me, think about the temptation. It wasn't just a temptation of power, but it was taking the easy way out. Have you ever been tempted to take the easy way out of anything? If you haven't, you probably just were born this morning, Okay. If Jesus had bowed down and worshipped Satan he could have avoided the cross he could have avoided the scourging everything that we talked about everything that Eric talked about this morning is is he talked about Jesus and, and what we were doing all of that could have been avoided or so was the promise now I don't believe for a minute that Satan would have given him all those kingdoms because Satan's a liar and the father of lies but the bottom line is is that Jesus did not allow Satan to distract him all three of these would have been fatal distractions, but Jesus, unlike Adam and Eve, did not fall for the distraction. You See, Jesus' entire mission in coming to earth, we know, we're very familiar with. His mission was to seek and to save the lost, and to give his life as a ransom for many. We know this from Luke nineteen ten and Mark ten, forty-two through forty-five. That was a mission which if Satan could distract him from in any way, shape, or manner, if, if Satan could distract him, could pull his attention, pull his efforts away from doing that with anything, it would have spelled the end. Total destruction of mankind, including you and I. That would have spelled the end. That would have been it, it would have been over. And so, Jesus Christ our Lord, in recognizing the massive firepower, and in recognizing this fatal destruction, weapon of mass destruction and what it could do, Jesus determined and was determined not to allow any earthly thing to distract him from fulfilling his heaven given mission. When it meant being left behind and separated from his earthly family at the tender age of 12 years old, in order to be about his heavenly father's business, Jesus refused to allow himself to be distracted even by his own earthly family's departure, love, anxiety, or emotion. Jesus refused to allow himself to be distracted by his own earthly family's departure, love, anxiety, or emotion, Luke chapter two, verses 41 through 49 when it involved facing down the devil himself, firsthand, immediately after his baptism. Jesus refused to be intimidated, sidetracked, distracted from his God-given mission of going forward to save souls, Matthew four, one through 17. Even knowing every little tiny the tiniest detail every little intricate detail of the unimaginable suffering that he was about to suffer at the hands of his creation in jerusalem mark 10 33 and 4 and john 18 4 and even in despite of even despite of i can say this even in spite of see i told you i could even in spite of His disciples completely missing the point of his mission. He still refused to allow himself to be distracted from carrying out his God-given mission, and he therefore steadfastly set his face toward Jerusalem and refused to be distracted. Luke 9, verses 51 through 57. You see, brethren, Jesus refused to let fatal distraction, Satan's weapon of mass destruction, which had worked so well in the past to instill sin and fear and death, Jesus refused to let that get in the way of his determination to be obedient to his Father. Jesus refused to be distracted from his mission of seeking and saving the lost, no matter what on earth, no matter what on earth Satan tried distract him with and his disciples sat up and took notice and they went forth and followed his example and they turned the world upside down with their preaching and teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ and they continued the mission that he had given them to seek and to save the lost, allowing neither fear, famine, disease, or persecution to deter or distract them from carrying out that same mission of seeking and saving the lost, that same God-given mission. Remember what those disciples did who were scattered because of the persecution? They had to run from their lives, run for their lives from their homes after the persecution of Stephen. Do you remember what they did? They preached the word everywhere they went. Persecution wasn't going to distract them. Leaving their homes wasn't going to distract them. Nothing on earth was going to distract them from their heavenly mission. They preached the word wherever they went, Acts 8 and verse 4. And in one of the great ironies of the entire Bible, one of those whom Satan used big time early on to try to distract Christians from carrying out that mission, later became a Christian himself and wrote some of the most incredible and powerful examples of how not to let anything distract Christians, one of those distractions which he himself used to be from carrying out that mission. Apostle Paul would write in 2 Timothy 2 verses 3 and 4, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him As a soldier you see Paul knew that nobody could get distracted from and cease the mission and still please their commander-in-chief in In Acts chapter 20 verses 22 to 24 Luke records the same Apostle Paul's words when he said and see Now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. He said, I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, yeah, but by the way, the worst I know is, but other than that, I don't know of any good. But he said, after that, but none of these things move me nor do I count my life as dear to myself. So that, why, why don't you consider your life dear to yourself, Paul? So that I may finish my race with joy And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. What is the, the embedded message in that text? The embedded message in that text is simply this. If I count my life as dear to myself, I'm not going to be able to finish my race with joy, and I'm not going to be able to effectively finish my mission. Jesus said basically the same thing in Matthew 16, 24 through 27, where he talked about those who seek to save their life will lose it. But those who lose it for the gospel's sake will save it. Later on, in Acts 21, 10 13, Luke wrote this. Acts 21, 10 through 13. Luke said, as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of of the gentiles. Now, when we heard these things, watch this. Both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Begged that man not to go. Look, this is what's going to happen, Paul, if you go, don't go. We pleaded with him. And Paul said, answered, what do you mean? by weeping and breaking my heart. For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. He said, I don't care. My life doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is that I please him with my life. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain, he would write later. Paul says, I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem. Hey, if that's what happens. You see, neither the loving pleading or the weeping of those who were concerned for his overall welfare or even his own broken heart being bound and being killed in the line of duty carrying out the mission or seeking to save the lost was going to be a distraction to him from completing it he refused to be distracted They could cry, they could weep. It broke his heart. He loved them. But none of those things were going to be allowed to be a distraction. Satan loves to distract us from doing what God wants us to do. And he will use anything and everything on earth to stop us, to distract us. Because distraction leads to destruction. Unless we repent, as David did. Distraction leads to destruction as it led to that for Adam and Eve being kicked out of the garden and separated from God. Why do I say all this this morning? I say all of this this morning to simply say this, and with all of the love in my heart I say this. brethren I fear that Satan may have unleashed upon us on us his favorite weapon of mass destruction known as fatal distraction you see the fact is and facts are facts the fact is that while COVID-19 can be a fatal infection It seems to have become a far more fatal distraction to many children of the living God. Slowing down, if not sidetracking and stopping us altogether from most effectively carrying out our God-given mission to seek and to save the lost. I'll show you what I mean. Remember this? Remember that? That is a slide from a year ago. Just unfolding my Bible does not mean that I am done. I am not. That slide was from a year ago. It was from a sermon I preached on Sunday morning, December the 29th, 2019, and the title of that sermon was "2020 Vision." It was about seeing the loss through the eyes of God seeing their lost state, picturing them on judgment day, picturing where they're going if we don't talk to them about Jesus. But then in March, COVID struck, and our entire world, our entire world, became completely caught up in and consumed by the news and by the effects of this virus. And unfortunately, apparently, maybe some in the church as well. When you add to that the November election and everyday life in general that we still have with families and jobs and all of those things, well, suffice it to say it's been a banner year for fatal distraction to US Christians, distracting us from our God-given mission. Now that's not to say that we've had no conversions. Back in March, on March the 30th and then two weeks later on April 13th we had two new sisters baptized into Christ and and that is awesome. And don't get me wrong, I know every single soul is priceless, amen? Every soul is priceless. So we got two times priceless and that's awesome. But at the same time I have to stop and consider, is that really? truly the best we could have done, for heaven's sake, if we weren't so distracted by earthly events. You see, one of the things that prompted this lesson this morning is something that Brother Justin Hopkins said when he was here last Sunday night making his presentation for the MANA project. He said that while he was overseas working, he was over there for about a month at one juncture, working over there with the project, and for about a month, he couldn't get news about COVID or the elections or any of those things. Guess what? He wasn't distracted by those things for about four weeks. He wasn't talking about those things to everybody around him. They weren't foremost in his mind. For about a month, he, he, he didn't get any news regarding those things. And so I wondered, I thought, thought to myself, self, <laughs> I wondered, wow, I, I wonder what exactly... Could be accomplished in a place where such distractions as those are either minimized, neutralized, or rendered silent and ineffective. And so I sent an inquiry to Brother Hopkins this week and I said basically can you tell me in a place like that how many souls in 2020 what are the statistics of what those including yourself connected to the MANA Project have been able to do in those fields without those distractions. I didn't add without those distractions, I'm adding it for you this morning. And he sent me a spreadsheet. These are the results. The MANA Project in Renzori in 2020, baptisms into Christ. 121. That is an average of better than two a week, every week, year round. Restorations, over twice that many. New congregations planted, three. And this is in the last 12 months, by the way. In Modell, Baptisms into Christ. Wouldn't you love to see one or two a week right here? Baptisms into Christ, 50. Restoration, 70. New congregations planted, 15. Do you realize that that's a new congregation planted about every three weeks? Denominational, I love that stat. Denominational preachers saved one. Wow, and so Talawanda, more than one a week, 60. New congregations planted, seven. Denominational preachers say four. Denominations that became churches of Christ. That is awesome. Four. Wouldn't it be nice in this town if every, Every three months, we had one of the local denominations become a Church of Christ. How many of you think that would be a cool thing? How many of you think that would be an awesome thing? Now, don't get me wrong. Don't, Don't get me wrong. It is not that there aren't any distractions in their world. Just as we saw and heard from Justin, there are plenty of distractions. Everything from armed rebels and military instability to the government's use of military force in response to COVID-19 in what Justin termed as draconian measures to a threat that you and I don't have, the daily threat of starving to death. Those are pretty big distractions. So they have Plenty of distractions. Satan is busy seeking to sidetrack and distract them from their God-given mission. He is. Plus they got COVID going on. So it's not that they don't have distractions. It's just that they are refusing to let any earthly distraction get in the way of their heavenly Mission and that mission is to seek and to save the lost And so they continue Totals from those three areas Baptisms into Christ 231. That's four and a half. I don't know how that half works, but go with me Four and a half baptisms a week Six plus restorations a week. New congregations planted in a year, 12 months, 25. Denominational preachers say five. Denominations changed four. I'm hoping and guessing that maybe next year those numbers will equal the same. The whole point of this morning's lesson, and, and, and I, I know, I know, I know COVID's deadly. I, I get that, I live in the same world you live in. And I will be the first one to admit that it's been a distraction to me from what I should have been doing. So I'll just stand up here and say it, lest y'all say, well, Doug, don't you think you, yeah? And I'm ashamed of that. I am. And I thank God for another day that I can repent, like David did. And I can tell him how sorry I am that I've been distracted so much by that going on on earth that I've kind of not kept my ultimate priority the heavenly mission that he has granted me the privilege of being a part of. The whole point of this morning's lesson is to challenge us to do better at seeking and saving the lost in 2021 than we did 2020 to remind us this morning how one of Satan's greatest weapons of mass destruction, that is, fatal distraction, works, has always worked, and always will work, unless you and I choose. Choose. Unless you and I determine that nothing on earth is going to distract us from doing what heaven told us to do. Period. Same way Jesus did, the same way his first century disciples did, the same way many of his 21st century disciples still are in certain areas of the globe today. I wanted to challenge each and every one of us, at home as well as here in the building, all of us, as individuals, as we enter this new year to redouble our personal efforts, whatever they were in 2020, to redouble them in 2021. By all means possible, you know, hmm. doesn't have to be face-to-face, brethren. Don't have to be face-to-face. If it has to be face-to-face, why are there so many electronic programs on the church? why are we live streaming if everything has to be face-to-face? I can say that. Think about it. With every means possible, And I'll tell you, I've decided to do that. Here's a little little something for you. This afternoon, if you need to contact me, I can't believe I'm going to say this. This afternoon, if you need to contact me, text me. And here's why. Because I don't plan to answer my phone this afternoon. And here's why. Because I want each one of you, who cares to, would like to, I want you to call my cell phone. And I want you to listen to the message. And I, because I'm trying to do everything I can. Everybody that calls me and has to leave a message is gonna have to hear that message. What better way to tell them about Jesus? Or at least to invite them to hear about Jesus in a non-threatening way. So I put an answering machine, I put a, whatever you call it, my my cell phone, my my leave a message is a little different and I want to encourage you, put something on there that at least invites them to hear about Jesus. Everybody's sick of that. Oh, you've reached such and such a number. Please leave and we're busy. We can. Okay, big deal. Put something on there about Jesus. Redouble your efforts. Do something different. Get Jesus out there. And... Just as we had a concept or slogan to focus on to remind us of our mission in 2020, that is 2020 vision, I'm I'm unveiling a new one this morning that I hope catches on for 2021, and that is this. Now, it looks simple, and that's good. Slogans are supposed to be simple, so that's good. Now, there's a lot of, well, there's at least three different applications of this. I mean, obviously, it's pretty obvious the first one, right? 2021 is one more than 2020. Duh. Okay. And, and today, we might think where the, where the elders have asked us, you know, as they have for the past 36 years, to increase our, our offering by a dollar. Well, 2021, one more than 2020. It would work for that. But the primary purpose I put this together is simply this one is not a big number and if each one of us can lead one more soul to christ in 2021 than we did 2020 you know what's going to happen think about what's going to (laughs) happen we'll have a banner year i'm sorry i couldn't resist next year at this time here's what's going to happen next year at this time when covid is no longer the life and death threat level that it currently is That's my prayer. We'll have the same problem here that Justin mentioned in one of those congregations that he was working with last year. Do you remember the problem they had? Standing room only. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have standing room only? Wouldn't it be wonderful to say which way are we gonna have to add on to this building? Wouldn't that be a great problem to have? Well, who's, who's gonna make that happen? God ain't just gonna teleport them in here. Doesn't work that way. But I was thinking, wouldn't it be nice next year when Justin comes back, if we looked like that congregation? Now, wouldn't it be even sweeter to Jesus if they were standing in room only? Now, I'm sure, I'm sure, there may be some saying, well, This isn't there, and that isn't that, and we can't do that, and. Remember a story in the Bible where Peter and the boys, the professional fishermen, had been out all night. And fishing, they'd caught nothing. Here comes a preacher. Of all people, a preacher. Really? A carpenter, a preacher. Says, hey, you boys go out there and put your nets out. So if I'm Peter, I'm thinking (laughs) I make a living fishing. I know when to fish. I know how to fish. I know where to fish And this guy's a carpenter and a preacher. He's telling me to go fishing in the day. I know it's not best time during the day What Jesus tells them to do is go do it again Try it again And they tried it again And when they tried it again, they were lucky they're blessed not luck blessed that their boats didn't sink I know that there are people who will say, we live in America, it can't be done. I beg to differ because God said it could. Mark 9:23 and 10:27 tell us with God, all things are possible. Is that true or isn't it? How many of you believe that's true? Raise your hand. If you don't raise your hand, you and I have a Bible study before we get done today. If it's true, and he said go, then it doesn't matter how many times we've gone in the past. It doesn't matter how many times we've tried in the past. Well, Lord, you know, we fished in this community before, and, and it ain't real good. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. You See, brethren, the question is not Can it be done? And I'm preaching as much to me as I am anybody. I'm Christian, too, and I have every responsibility that you do. The question is not, can it be done? That's not the question. But the question is, will we allow Satan to distract us from our mission? yet again with whatever distraction he comes up with to hurl at us next year, because brethren, there's always going to be a distraction. Always. Always. And what it is this year, it may not be two years from now, what it was two years ago, it isn't now, but Satan, this works so well, he's not going to say, well, I think I'll stop trying to distract them, just let them get out there and do, the, do what they're supposed to. He's not going to do that. He's smarter than He's evil, but he's smart. There's always going to be distractions. It's not can it be done, but will we allow him to distract us from our mission with whatever distraction he comes up with to hurl at us in the coming year? Join me in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we come before you this morning and we beg your forgiveness and throw ourselves on your grace and mercy that we have not always in all situations always sought to seek and to save the lost by sharing the gospel. We've missed opportunities. We've Not always done it right. but Father, as we get ready to start a new year, we pray that through any and every means possible that we will talk to everybody. We know every opportunity we get, every opportunity we can create through the wisdom you give us to tell them what an awesome God you are, how pitiful we as humans are in our sin, and how much you love us and have offered to us the gift of eternal life free, free, totally free, through the blood of Jesus. Give each Christian here and at home and everyone who hears this and all of us as Christians in the United States and around the world the determination to make the choice not to let anything distract us until the day you take us home from telling others about what an awesome day that is for those who are yours. We love you. We thank you in Christ's holy name. Amen. This morning, if you are not a member of the Lord's Church, if you've never been baptized to have your sins washed away, you need to repent. You need to believe Jesus. You need to turn to God in repentance. You need to believe that he is the Son of God. You need to be willing to confess him and be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. There's no other way. It's, it's, that's the only biblical way there is. And the only biblical way is the only way, period. Do not let Satan this morning, I should point up there because you're looking at that one, do not let Satan this morning distract you. If you're not a Christian, you've you got to be. You have no hope, you have no life, you have, you have no Jesus, you have no heavenly inheritance, you have nothing without him don't sit there this morning if you're not a Christian and let him come up with all these reasons to distract you from doing what you know the Bible says you got to do Jesus gave his son for you. the only thing he can't do for you is make the choice and if you're listening this morning whether here at home and you need the prayers of your brethren to be stronger stronger when it comes to keeping that priority and focus right there to seek and to save the lost in everything and to talk to everybody about that instead of worldly events, totally. Let us know, we'll do what we can to help. If you have a need this morning, please come right now. Right now as we stand and sing this song together to encourage you.